KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I remember walking out with Joe, and I said, Joe, do you believe? And I said, we're going to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Boston Bruins. <laughs> and we just kind of shook our heads, and we were just so excited. But we were also like, wow, we're in for a real battle here, and we better be ready to go. But no way were we, were we nervous or not confident about it. And our guest this week is former Flyers defenseman Jim Watson, two-time Stanley Cup champ, of course, played for the Flyers with his older brother Joe. And Jim, thanks so much for taking the time. Man, it's always a pleasure. Great to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you, Matty, and also talk a little bit of hockey or a lot of hockey in the, Del- in the great Delaware Valley. So you're at Iceworks in Aston. I know this has been a big part of your life for a long time. Kind of tell us for people that aren't familiar about Iceworks, what it's all about. So we're a four rank ice complex over in Aston Township, Delaware County. That would be approximately five minutes, maybe eight minutes out of media. People would be more familiar with that. And then when you look at on geographically, we're about a mile in in from uh, route 95. And just, uh, we're just, I guess what, uh, east of the Delaware border. So uh, we're right in nestled right in that area. So, uh, Matt, we service a lot of people in the Delaware Valley. And this is something you've been a part of. You helped found this, am I correct? I did along with, I have five other partners. We have a great partnership and uh, basically all a bunch of guys who just love hockey. But we got in because we did love hockey. And of course, it is a business also. We have to make, make sure it works and we can put the lights on every day and pay our utilities every month. So it is run as a business, but we try to keep it as... Uh, as economical as possible, so we can get as many people here playing as possible. So uh, when you look at our numbers, Matt, it's really off the charts because for people out there may wonder, well, what, for instance, would men or women be, how many of them are playing hockey in the Delaware Valley? And for example, at Iceworks, we have 60 men's teams that play here. So that's 60 men's team, each team having anywhere from 10 to 15 players on a team. And we also have about, about 10 women's teams. That in itself uh, is pretty phenomenal as far as we're concerned. These are people who have gotten in the game later in life because they wanted to give it a try. And then, of course, our youth hockey is off the charts because we have anywhere from 50 to 60 youth hockey teams playing out of here. And we go pretty much all year round. The kids do take some time off in the summer, but we do create spring and summer leagues because if they have that option, they can keep playing. Of course, the primary season is in the winter. And you do a lot of work with the youth hockey, right? That's where a lot of your focus is, working with the young kids? Yes, primarily with the young kids. I run a hockey camp in the summer. For the whole month of August, I run a hockey camp here. Anybody might be interested, you go to iceworks.net. You can get registered if anybody is interested. But we work on just teaching the game, you know, just getting people oriented to the great game of hockey. It's a wonderful game, Matt, of course. Anybody has played it. I know all our fans out there that watch it. And, uh, you know, it gives us an opportunity, as as in all sports, to really teach lessons in life, if you will. So that's what I kind of use it for. And if you can teach those things, lessons in life, you're going to certainly be a lot better hockey player. And you're going to have a good start on life also. And if I'm correct, you guys started this back in 97. And when you start putting the pieces together for Iceworks, was it something you looked at and thought, oh, this is where I want to plant my flag and I'll be here for the duration? Or do you have moments where you step back and go, wow, it's been more than 25 years. This is nuts. Yeah, well, there's a lot of thoughts go through my mind almost every day about it. But overall, we're just so uh, grateful that we did do do it. And we're so grateful for the fans, the great fans and our patrons that have supported us so well at Iceworks. 
uh, our partnership is just very humble and grateful for all of the, the great support. And uh, we just, we, you know, so consequently, we really want to give it back to people and give everything we can to do to help them. But going back to your original thought on uh, when we opened the 97, you know, we, we built two rinks in 1997, thinking that, you know, that would be, you know, we were going to be challenged just to fill that. But within three years, by the year 2000, we were so busy, we decided to add two more rinks. Now we have four ice surfaces in one location over here in Aston at Iceworks. So uh, we have four ice surfaces here and all four go all year round. And then uh, we open anywhere from like six in the morning and we go till maybe, you know, 12, 12 o'clock midnight on uh, in the evening. So at night. So that tells you the state of hockey, uh, Matt. There's a great demand for it. And since we've built our rinks, I mean, there's a lot of other rinks that, are, that have popped up in the Delaware Valley, which is great for us too, because more kids are playing hockey. Consequently, when you get into your leagues, uh, you have more teams in the area, of course, you know, the players, the teams don't have to travel as far to play their games. And it takes a lot of pressure off the families so they, they can stay together and not be separated so much instead of making these long two and three hour road trips. These are all things that are occurring. So it's helping grow the game. And I often say every fan that comes in these doors is a future flyer fan. So that's that's what I told Ed Snyder, our great owner who passed away. Of course, we all remember Ed. And that's the first thing I said to Ed when we opened the rink. I said, hey, every fan that comes in here is a future flyer fan. <laughs> and his eyes just lit right up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your story. You grew up out in British Columbia in Smithers, small town, and from conversations with your brother Joe and just doing research, looks like it was a lot of pond hockey, a lot of outdoor hockey. You know what? That's all it was at one time, Matt. We had an indoor. We had, we actually only had an outdoor rink, and then I was as I was growing up, we, we did get an indoor service. Even when we had the indoor rink, I mean, I was always either building a. We were live. We had a farm, and we lived on a farm for a while. And, we had a pond there, so I didn't have to worry about making my own rink. It was a pond, so we had it right there. But then we moved into town, and I said, Mother, I need to build a, and I need to build a rink so I can skate on it. I'm like nine years old. And she says, go ahead, Jim. You know what? There's the front lawn. Get at it. So I, I hooked up the old garden hose to the front of you know, the kitchen sink, ran it out the door. It was 10 below outside as I'm freezing the rink, and Mother would just let the door be cracked open just so I could get my ice water down so it would freeze, so I could resurface it, so I could play hockey. So this was a dedication of my mother and the patience uh, that she had for me to do these things. And same with Joe. So uh, grateful to her. But that's what we did. And then, of course, we would get friends and go to neighborhood uh, rinks uh, and backyards and also to the lakes and the ponds in the area. So we got a lot of a lot of outdoor ice, Matt. And I just love playing in the outdoors. Nothing like it. Did I see in one story reading about you that you, if you didn't have a puck, sometimes you guys would use frozen horse manure. Is that true? Or is that just a, a, a great story to tell? That's actually a true story, Matt. Uh, a, quick, a quick little story. So when we're up at the farm and we had the pond and I'm out there skating, and at that time we didn't have much. Nobody had very much money, of course. I had a total of two pucks, right? So I had a little uh, fence set up where I could shoot on. But, you know, once the first snow fell and I shoveled the snow off, I had the big snow banks all around the rink. And when I shot the puck and if I missed the net, of course, it went in the snow bank and I wasn't finding that puck until the spring. So I went in the house. I said, Mom, I've lost my two pucks. Will you buy me another puck? She says, no, I'm not buying you another puck. You're going to have to figure this out. I said, what am I going to do, mother? And she said, well, Jim, you know, use your head now. You, you live on a farm and it's real cold. What do you think you could possibly use? And then the light went on. I said, oh, for goodness sakes, we do have cows and we do have horses. So there you go. Was it effective? Like, did it work? Yeah, it was very effective. <laughs> 
So growing up, I mean, obviously hockey is such a huge part of your life as a kid and you're surrounded by it. Was there a moment when you realized you were good? Did it start to crystallize that you maybe had a little more talent? You were a little faster. You were getting picked quicker than other kids. You know, do you remember a, a moment as a kid where it kind of came to fruition for you like that? You know what? That's a good question, Matty. Uh, for me, I was playing always up. As a 10-year-old, I was playing with 11 and 12-year-olds, I feel. Okay? If I was 11, I was playing with 12 and 13-year-olds. So I, I was, oh, my goodness, I'm playing with these a lot older kids. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I must be doing something right. And the fact that I was always out working out and, and skating and playing, a lot of my buddies didn't want to do it. They're just like anybody else. A lot of them didn't want to get cold. Or was, you know, they didn't have the love that I had for it. So I'd go out there a lot of times by myself where I'd recruit two or three other guys to go out and play two-on-two on, two on the pond. And as I was doing that, I was just getting better and better. I could feel it. I was competing against these older kids in these pond, pond hockey games. And then, of course, my mother and my father and my brothers, and of course, particularly Joe, said, look at Jim, you know, you're, you're a pretty good little athlete here. Keep working hard at your game and you never know where it's going to take you. You're going to get an opportunity down the road to play junior hockey. And of course, that's a stepping stone in the pros if you get to juniors, right? And that comes anywhere when you're anywhere from 16 to 20. And you're going to see that in the NHL draft. That's where they draft those kids at 18 and 19 and 20 year olds, right? So I started playing junior when I got to be 15. I started playing juniors, even though it was for 16 and up. I was only 15. I was playing juniors and I was still able to compete there. So I kind of felt that, hey, if I keep working hard, dedicate myself, I got a shot at doing this. And of course, as a kid, Matt, all I wanted to do was two things. Either be a, an NHL hockey player or a Major League Baseball player. Because I love baseball also. And I played a lot of baseball. And uh, Philly fans will get a kick out of this. When I was up in uh, Canada, up in Northern British Columbia, we had a shortwave radio. And we would listen to all the American Armed Forces Network. They had always carry baseball games on there. And we would get the games on. So we'd be up there listening to the baseball games. Because I just love baseball, the Major Leagues. And then we listened to the NHL games in wintertime. And that was it for me, either one or the other. And as it turned out, hockey was it for me. Were you always playing defense as a kid? I uh, pretty much, yes. I always played defense. And, uh, you know, I was told that you actually handle the puck more as a defenseman, Matt. And you see the whole play in front of you. You're at the back, so you can see everything in front of you. So that made a lot of sense to me. And you can control the game a little more as a defenseman. You really think about it. And you see everything. And you get involved in everything a lot more because you go back into your deep into your own zone to get the puck. And then as you go on offense, you still have the latitude to go in deep with the puck and go down into the off, deep in the offensive zone. And then and if you thought you hell, you go right behind the opposing and think nothing of it. Basically, I always wanted to be a defenseman. And it's interesting because you would think young kids, I want to score. I want to score all the goals. I want to get the headline, stuff like that. I don't think there's as many kids that want to play defense. But as you point out, you've got the puck so much like, yeah, you might not score, but you are dictating what is happening. That, that's exactly right, Matt. You're really dictating the play <laughs> in a lot of ways. Okay? And I love to defend. And you know what? All I really wanted to do, thank God was, you know, well, first of all, my parents always said two things you must do, Jim, if you're going to play hockey was we just want you to have fun and do your best okay? or, or, or do your best and have fun. And if you just follow that, good things are going to happen to you. And that's what I did. So. Because of that, I was able to off, you know, just stay aggressive offensively. I was always a decent skater, and I, I used to love to sprint and, and play baseball, do my sprints in the outfield, and I found that really helped me with my speed on the ice. So I loved to be able to skate and have all that open ice. It was exciting. And for anybody out there that's played hockey, you know exactly what I'm saying. And for anybody who has never played hockey, you might, you, you might understand this, that once you get the puck on your stick in a game of hockey, Everything revolves around you. 
All right. Everybody's looking at you. You're the you're the kind of the boss. You're the with the puck on your stick. So I like that whole concept, right? It was exciting. But overall, the best thing was just all of the great friendships you 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 develop through playing hockey at team sport. Nothing like playing a real tough, hard note nose team sport and learning all these great lessons in life about hard work, leadership, discipline, those sorts of things, uh, which were critical to my developing into a you know a hockey player because Without maturity as a player, right, or as a person, you really don't go anywhere until you really mature. And playing hockey helped me mature, and consequently, I was able to get to the National Hockey League. To that point, you mentioned you go play juniors, you start turning heads, and I'm sure you're starting to get attention from scouts and stuff like that. How much did Joe kind of travel in this road a few years ahead of you just help you kind of understanding how it works and what is expected and you know teams start calling and i know the draft process then is a lot different than what we see now but did it help you just kind of navigate that going from juniors to to the point where you get drafted and stuff like that oh yeah no question no question uh, joe is a big big plus for me having gone through it he was kind of a trailblazer if you will i mean we're from an isolated area up in northwestern british columbia we're about 100 miles inland from the Pacific Ocean and about 200 miles south of Alaska. We're up there in a kind of a remote area, small little town. So Joe kind of got us on the map. And when actually Joe came into the National Hockey League, he was only like the fourth person, believe it or not, Matt. He came in and he got into the National League with, with the Bruins in 1966. But I think he was only the fourth person to come out of British Columbia at that time. Imagine that. All the players came out of Canada pretty much. And he was only the fourth to come out of British Columbia. So mainly they came out of Quebec, Ontario, and the Prairie Provinces, and, and the Maritimes. Not a lot out of British Columbia. So Joe Joe was a trailblazer in that sense. And then he would come home every summer, and we would talk, and I would just hang around with him and just kind of tail, tail, tail him all over the place, even though he was nine years older than me. I just wanted to be with him, and I, he would train, and I would watch him train, and I would have to try to train with him and stuff like that. He would leave me in his dust. But I was always trying to tail along. And then he'd be out shooting pucks and stuff like that and lifting weights. And I'd be out trying to do that even though I was nine years younger. I was just trying to do whatever I could to get a dump on everybody else. So that already opened the doors for me. And then, you know, I would talk to Joe every summer about coming back. And I went to my first tryout at 15 years old. Actually, I was only 14. I went to my first junior camp and I got cut. And he said, Jim, you know what? You're just not ready for it. And I cried my eyes out. <laughs> I'll never forget this. Yeah, I cried my eyes out. I was out in Saskatchewan in the middle of the prairies, Estevan, Saskatchewan. And the coach cut me. He says, Jim, you know what? I like you, but you're only 14. You're just not ready for this level. And I just said to myself, well, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. You know, I was mature enough to figure that out. And I went home and worked even harder. Just getting a taste of that. I just wanted to be there in that environment. I wanted to play, play at a higher level and go as far as I could. So uh, when I came back, got it really together, and then I went to my next camp. My next camp, I was out in Calgary at 16. I went to my next camp. At 15, I just stayed home and played. At 16, I went to uh, Calgary and was able to make the Calgary team in the Western Canada League. And I spent four years there and got drafted by the Flyers. So that was it. Yeah, and you got drafted in 72. And once again, reading up on you, sounds like you slid a little bit. You were third-round pick. You were 39th overall, which in today's game would put you near the top of the second round, but obviously fewer teams. So were you surprised you you slid down? But then how cool was it that you were going to get to, to play with your brother? 
felt there was, it was it was cool to be with Joe. First of all, you know what? I was a little disappointed. I went 39 because I had really a good, particularly my last two years in junior, two real good years, and I I'd been told I was going to get go fairly high, but you know you know what? I was again. Thank God I was mature. I didn't let it bother me. I went 39. Well, you know what? That's not bad. And I'm going to the Flyers, right in the third round. Well, I can take that. And uh, and I was with Joe, so I was just fine with that. And let me tell you, certainly celebrated that day and that night with my buddies because we had all gone through a lot together, even with Joe and my parents. But uh, I went to work right away, Matt. Training man, getting ready. Came to camp, ready to rock and roll. You know, I made the I made their American League team in Richmond, Virginia that year. So I was in the American League, out of junior in the American League. Was tremendous as far as I was concerned, and I just had I was a great had a great coach down in Richmond, Virginia. Larry Wilson was a great coach, and he just showed me the ropes a little bit about how to conduct yourself as a pro, and uh, just made sure I worked hard. He encouraged me to work real hard in practice. Consequently, because of all that, I just got better and better. I was able to come up, and I got to tell you a quick story. I come to the Flyers now after that first year in Richmond, Virginia, in the American League. And I got called up for playoffs, and the Flyers are playing Montreal. It was 72-73. So in the spring of 73, they're playing Montreal in the, in the semifinals. And we lose to Montreal in five games. Freddie Shiro had actually inserted me into the lineup for two of the five games. And I played in the last game. We got knocked out by Montreal. It was in Montreal. And after the game, Bobby Clark, our, our great captain, he asked everybody to leave the locker except the players. So I was in there with all these guys, right? And uh, he said, everybody, look, at we gave Montreal. We lost in five games, but the games were close. And uh, we really, really battled them hard. We were a young team. We had a lot of good veterans, too, but a lot of good young, young players. So Bobby said, look, everybody go home and take good care of yourself. We got a chance to do something real special in this league. He actually said that. And I'm in the locker listening to this, man. So I was like coming out of my skin. I was so excited. I, again, I go home and I had a great summer of training. And I come back to the Flyers. It was the fall of uh, 73. And uh, I made the Flyers. And then, of course, we, we go on and we had a great one first place in our division our conference, and then we uh, we won the, won the Stanley Cup, for gosh sake. How long did it take you to really feel comfortable in the NHL? And by comfortable, I just mean like your game translated, you understood what was expected of you, and you were confident that you could deliver it on a consistent basis. I almost uh, almost immediately. You know, I, played in four, I played in four league games the previous year, right? And then I had two playoff games. That gave me a little taste of it. And I realized, man, I can, I can absolutely do this. Absolutely. But I was always, always told, listen, just keep working real hard, or you're going to make that transition. That was the mindset always. But you don't, you don't apply that unless you're mature as a young man. Okay, that's the key. So I was always mature. I realized, hey, just stay focused and keep working real hard. That's it. Don't. It, it's no more complicated than that. But the key is the good focus then gives you the maturity and then gives you that consistent hard work. And if you think about it, Matt, you're you're a young guy. You're in good shape. You're only going to get better if you do that. And that's what happened to me. So I was almost making that transition right away. I mean, I stepped right in in my rookie year and played, you know, with 16 men. And I was playing just as many minutes probably as anybody else on the team. That year, the year you guys win the first Stanley Cup, 73-74, was there a point in that season where you started to really think you can do this? Or were you kind of so young you weren't really thinking in kind of those terms uh <laughs> no you're always going in it to win it right matt you're going in anything you get into in sports i suppose or in life you're getting into it generally to win overwhelmingly to win and that's the way i felt so i knew hey if i uh if we we just give it all we got we got a shot now 
you know, looking at our, our players, I, I, you know, we have guys like Clark and McLeish and Barber, Lonsbury, Dornhofer, these guys up front, Horst Kinder, Chuck, Dave Schultz, Don Selesky, these guys, Bill Flett was there with us, Bob Kelly, Bill Clement, these guys, Simon Olay. And then on defense, we had Joe and we had Ed Van Imp, Tommy Blade, Moose Dupont. And uh, you know what we do at Barry Ashby. So just being around these guys, I said, well, hell, I can compete with these guys. And these guys are competing with everybody in the league. So you know what? And we had great leadership really with Clarkie. And then guys like Joe and Ed Van Imp and Barry Ashby, these guys, Gary Don Arthur, uh, Ricky McLeish, these guys were great leaders. Some of them didn't say a whole lot. They lived with their actions on the ice. And I was a real student of the game, so I watched it closely. I said, hell, we can win this thing. You never, you know, you never, you're almost afraid to say that. So mm-hmm. the way I approached it was just win the next game. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. And so we kept winning in the playoffs. We beat the Flames and then we beat the Rangers. And I'll never forget walking out of the spectrum after winning that seventh game. And with the seven games against the Rangers, we beat them like, I guess it was four to three or three to two, is it? Maybe in the, in the seventh game. Tremendous game. I remember walking out with Joe. And I said, Joe, do you believe it? I said, we're going to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Boston Bruins. <laughs> and we just kind of shook our heads. And we were just so excited. But we were also like, wow, we're ready for a real battle here. And we better be ready to go. But no way were we were we nervous or not confident about it. What was it like to win that first cup? I mean, do you remember the moment? You know, we've all seen the video of those of the final seconds ticking off the clock and you guys celebrating. What was it? like was it surreal you know was it what do you remember the emotions and what it felt like well you know what it is, it is almost surreal it almost is because like i said you, you just don't take it any more than the game you're going to play but we got ahead we you know we, we go down in the series one nothing and then uh we go down uh was it you no know, we won the second game in boston then we come back and went two in philly to go three to one for gosh sakes and then we go back to boston for the sixth or the fifth game and they beat us pretty badly at five one so we all said to ourselves look we we got to be ready for that sixth game we can't come back to boston for a seventh game and uh you know but we knew we could win matt there's absolutely no question we felt we could win but you know what when you're playing in the game every every little play actually matters so you don't get too far ahead of yourself so i just kept focusing on winning the next ship winning the next battle on the ice win the ship and keep moving forward as we go through the game. And all of a sudden, you look up, we're in the third period. All of a sudden, we're down. We're only 10 minutes left. We're up by a goal. There was five minutes left. And then all of a sudden, we've won the whole thing. My God. And this is a dream I'd had all my life. So it almost was surreal. It really was. But, you know, you, you're able to gather yourself and just take it all in. And I had all my family and friends here. And, of course, with Joe and all my wonderful teammates. And the fans of Philly, the fans of Philly. I mean, it was a love affair with the the Flyers and the, and the fans of Philadelphia. I mean, it was uh, they were so good to us, so supportive. They were so appreciative of us that uh, you know, it's a bond we had we've had for life. Interesting story when we went down and played the Rangers in it was 2011. We played at Citizens Bank Park that Ranger, the old timer game before the Flyers played the Rangers. And uh, the thing was completely sold out. And the people came up to me after the game and came up to all the players and were they were crying. And they were just so so filled with emotion, seeing our team out there. And they were all like in, in tears, essentially. And they were just saying, oh, my God, these memories, they bring back such great memories for us. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing we had going. We were such a fortunate group to be where, where we were when we were. And we happened to be in Philadelphia. 
and we're winning the Stanley Cup for the great city of Philadelphia. So there you go. So you won the first one against Boston, then you win it again the next year. Does it hit different the second time? Is it almost more satisfying when you know everybody's gunning for you and you're able to get back to the top of the mountain despite that? Um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say one was better than the other. I mean, seriously, it was wonderful with that second one, too. And you're right. And you know what? We have been told maybe we were a little lucky. Uh, we were fortunate or whatever, uh, this and that, we were told, right? So we didn't appreciate that, but we knew in our own heart we were good. And I never forget going back home and people said, Jim, you know, you're a rookie and you win the Stanley Cup. And uh, so people were asking me, what are you going to do for an encore? I looked at me and I said, we're going to win it again. And that's how confident I was after going through it, going through it. Because I knew what our team was like. I knew what our team, how it was built. And the leadership we had on the team and the, and the talent we had and the personality we had on the team. I knew we could do it again. And lo and behold, you know what? So we went out and went it again. And it was every bit as satisfactory as the first one was, Matt. But uh, you know what? You know, and I just look back on it. I'm just uh, so grateful for it to have had that opportunity and to realize that, that dream. We need to take a break. We will have more with former Flyers great Jim Watson right after this. This is One on One. And we are back on one-on-one, -on -one, continuing our conversation with former Flyers great Jim Watson. You mentioned a lot of great names. The guys were part of those Flyers teams. And you're right. I don't – Broad Street Bullies, those Flyers teams have a place in the heart of Philadelphia sports like few, if any, others in the way they are revered. I'm curious, is there a player from those teams that you think doesn't get quite the credit he deserves for how important he was to your success? I think I, I think maybe it would be Barry Ashby. Uh, I, I would say two people. Barry Ashby, because Barry, Barry was only played the first year, and then he had that eye injury, if you right. remember. But he's such a leader. For me as a defenseman, he really uh, I really looked up to Barry. And then he coached us after that. So I would say him. The other one would be Ricky McLeish. Ricky McLeish led our team in scoring both years in the playoffs. You know, but he was overshadowed a little, little bit by Bobby Clark. They're both captains, and they're somewhat different players. But Ricky had a real flamboyant flair and the style, the way he would play. And But he scored so many big goals for us, Matt, and big, big play, made big play after big play. And I didn't think he got the, the credit he really deserved. He was spectacular for us. But there were so many guys that were so good. I mean, Bobby was outstanding for us. Uh, Bernie, our goal, our goaltending was great. We're going right down the line. I, mean, just, uh, I look back on it, everybody just, you can't win. You're not going to win unless you have everybody going that. But uh, to answer that question, I would say Barry Ashby and Missy McLeish. What's it like to have this type of success and to be able to share it with your brother, not just in a celebration, but to take the journey with him? Well, you know what? Joe's nine years older than I am. So he went away to play hockey at 17 years old. So when I was eight years old, right, he was already going away every winter. I would only see him essentially three months during the summer, three or four months. You know, that that occurring, and I was like, Geez, you know, and I just, uh, I, I, I idolized Joe, essentially. And everything he did, I uh, tried to duplicate. So as it turned out, as as, as we went through our, our youth careers and his, and his junior careers, then he got on the pro, all of a sudden I'm getting drafted by the Flyers, right? So now we're back reunited, for gosh sakes. Who would have thought that? Uh, I never thought in a million years that would happen. So here we are now back together playing. And it was, it was spectacular just to play with Joe. And of course, I was single at the time. And Joe would invite him and his wife would invite me over for dinner all the time. And I loved that. You know, the Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff, I would go over there. So it was really nice to have that at my disposal, too. 
So I wouldn't get too lonely as a, as the only single guy on the team. So that was really benefits. But Matt, you know what? Just some of the things when it got really intense and and uh, we would just kind of like encourage each other, encourage, encourage. And we did that with all the players. So right after every shift, way to go, Joe, way to go, Joe, you know, coming off. I say, he would say, keep it going, Joe, way to go, baby, and all this sort of thing. And these are things that you need to hear and, and express in, in order to keep yourself going and stay focused. So. That was really cool. And now you go on and move on in life. And now Joe and I are together quite a bit. We go to flyer functions with the alumni and whatnot. And uh, we always reminisce. We sit in there in the car driving to where we're going and we'll BS with each other about, well, do you remember this or you remember that? So there's wonderful memories. And they'll never take that away from us. And then, of course, when you get with the fans, they remind us of everything. They're always coming up and talking to us about things. So it's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing, Matt. So you were a true defenseman, like your plus minus numbers. And I know plus minus wasn't a big thing, but just obnoxiously good. What do you think? Scout yourself to me at your best during your NHL career. Why were you such an effective defenseman? Let me think about this. I suppose mainly because I I hated being scored on that. I did not like being on the ice when a goal was scored against me for our line. If I was out there to go in and I was very upset. Maybe I didn't show it out really on the ice, but inside, man, it bothered the heck out of me. So I, I, I just, I just didn't want to be scored on, and I would do whatever I damn near could to stop the goal from being scored. That was number one. Number two, I, I always considered myself to be a fairly intelligent player, so I kept myself in good position. Always be able, was able to read the play well and know where everybody kind of was, and know if you're out man or you're, you're, you know, they got a three on two or two on one or something down low or you're out man. You know where you got to stay. And so uh, I was uh, very uh, mature in that sense. I've talked about that a lot in this conversation about being mature. That really, really is critical to playing good defense. So that means that you're, you know, staying really focused and knowing your position at all times and knowing the situation around you. And that's what I was really adept at knowing. It was around me, what was going on around me, so I could I could adjust accordingly. So I would say that would be it. I just hated being scored on, Matt. And I love when we scored goals in the other end. And then the other thing, Matt, was this. I love winning hockey games. There is nothing better for me other than, than winning a hockey game. So at the end of the game, when you come off the ice, it's the greatest thing in the world to me. And that was it. What's the most memorable NHL goal you ever scored? When you think of your career and you think of goals you scored, is there one that is at the top of the list? Maybe my first goal, Matt. <laughs> I scored it in the island. I think it was, I think it was a game-winning goal. You, know, you wonder if you're ever going to score in the NHL. I think it took me a little while to get my first one. I didn't score a lot, but uh, my first goal would certainly be memorable. Uh, I scored a couple goals in the playoffs. I think I had a game winner against Toronto, maybe in the final game of the series, maybe around 77, 78, maybe. Uh, That would be a good one, a big one also for me. You know, I didn't score a whole lot, so I don't have a whole lot of memories on goals. (laughs) So you spend your entire career with the Flyers, and I know after the first few years, you battled a lot of injuries. How difficult was that just fighting through the grind of the seasons and and constantly coming back from injuries and having to rehab and stuff like that. Yeah, you know what? That was a big one. That that that, that kind of took. I, I was I retired at thirty years old, and I actually was in really good shape. Other than I had back, I, I know I could have played at least five, maybe seven or eight, nine years more. Who knows? Because uh, I was in great health, but my back was giving me all kinds of grief. But it 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 wore on me. I mean, it it no question it did. I was actually having back problems in the, when we won our second Stanley Cup, and it, it stayed with me from that point on. So I'd come in every day and get in a nice, a nice pack, 
And then I get a heat pack on my back, get treatments every day. And it was just, uh, you know, it did burn me out somewhat. I have to admit that. But, uh, you know, you just kind of work through it, continue to battle through it. You know, there's relief on the way at some point, maybe when there's a lull in the schedule or when the season ends. But uh, it was it was difficult. Man. And that's the case with if you look at a lot of athletes. Right. That's the first thing they'll probably tell you is their ability to stay healthy is the, is the greatest gift they can have in sports. If you can stay healthy, then you can really continue to grow and develop and get better. But it's when you have chronic injuries that it, it really stymies your growth and you tend to level off sometimes. So that makes it very difficult. So uh, it was it was a, it was a drudgery. No question about it. But we got through it. Kept going, and I got nine. I feel nine real productive years with the Flyers. You mentioned you were in great shape. You know, you were only thirty. Was it difficult to retire? Like on the other hand, you just talked about you know the back problems and everything, and the it's not going away and stuff like that. But you're a competitor. You love the sport. Was it emotionally difficult to let it go? Oh gosh, yes, it, it, it was. There's no question about it. I mean, I but I anguished over this for years. I mean, like I said, from the second Stanley Cup, second year in the league, till I retired nine and after nine years. So you're looking at essentially eight years. I was dealing with a bad back. And uh, not to get, I don't want to get sympathy from anybody, but it was just a fact of life. That's the way it was. Now, most guys do play it with bang, they're banged up in some way. So there's very few people playing this game that aren't banged up in some, in some way during the season. So I was in the middle of that pack and uh, I just had to learn how to deal with it. But also there was some relief when I decided I, I couldn't do it anymore. I could put it behind me and move on with my life. It was a relief in that, I must admit. But at the, on the other hand, I, I often thought, well, I mean, what could I have done or how, how, you know, I could have played another, I don't know, five, maybe 10 years, for goodness sakes. And that's what I, what I really wanted to do, but just wasn't there. And I just had to accept it and be appreciative and grateful for everything I did get out of the game. And that's kind of the way I look at it now. You can't keep looking back and beating yourself up over it. And so I've just moved on and just grateful for what I did get out of the game. So talk to me a little bit about, we talked about the Stanley Cup finals and playing with Joe. What are some of the other memories of your Flyers career that you just really cherish, whether it be games or just kind of relationships, moments in the locker room, stuff like that? Oh, man, there's so many, Matt. I mean, just from the first day right through almost to the last day of my career. I mean, just coming to the rink every day and being around the 20 guys on the team and uh, just, you know, BS with each other, just having fun, uh, getting prepared to practice, getting prepared to play going on road trips, going to having a few beer with each other and just talking and uh, bonding with everybody, meeting all the new players coming in, stuff like that was uh, priceless. And then also just the different experiences we had. You know, I look, I look back, I'm so grateful for our, we had such good teams. In fact, those nine years I was here, I think we won as many games as anybody in the National Hockey League during those nine years other than maybe the Montreal Canadiens. And that's, that's saying something, right? That, that tells you all the team we had. But we had great ownership in Ed Snyder, and then we had our general manager, Fred Sherrill, our coach, and guys like Bob McCam and Pat Quinn, these guys came along. They were great coaches with us, too. So we, we won a lot of hockey games, Matt. So we had so many good times because that's what it's all about is just winning. And we were always right in the thick of everything. And we went to four Stanley Cup finals. We, we won two cup finals. And we lost two cup finals. And if you remember, the one was against Montreal for going for the third in a row. They beat us four straight. I think every game was one goal except the last game. They beat us by two. And in that game, we had a 3-2 lead going into the third period. So the series is much closer than the final score indicated. And the MVP of the of the Stanley Cup that year was Ken Dryden, our goalie. We were in, a, in the games big time. 
And then, of course, in 1980, uh, we lost to the Islanders in six games. And we remember that was the high stick and the offside goals. But we could have won two more Stanley Cups, in my opinion. Didn't work our way. And, of course, the Islanders and the Canadians would, would, would disagree with me on that. But uh, we felt we were very, very close on those two other occasions. There's just, uh, you know, you look at that. And I had other situations. We played the Russians. Uh, remember the Russian, famous Russian game? Yep. Philadelphia. And that was a critical game for the league. Because at the time, the Russian team, they were, Red Army team was beating everybody, right? And they tied Montreal. They were in first place that year. And they tied Montreal. And so they were coming to Philly, hadn't, hadn't lost a game yet. And um, we were the reigning Stanley Cup champions, right? So we had to win that game for the for the sake of the, of our, for bragging rights for us, saying we're the best league in the world. And the pressure on that was insurmountable. It was just overwhelming. Uh, I don't think I slept for two days leading up to that game. but man. When we got into that game, we were so fired up, so intense. And then, of course, we came out and won the game 4-1. to one, And that was such a celebration. That, that was incredible, not only for the Flyers, but for all of hockey. We were able to win that, lay claim to the best league in the world. So that made me very, very proud that we were able to do that and uh, keep our game right where it belonged at the top. So that along with uh, just... Uh, you know, all the trials and tribulations you go through, even in the losing, you know, anguishing and going through it all together, never pleasant. But yet the associations, the uh, friendships that you get with your teammates and all the people associated with the team is something, you you know, you just carry for the rest of your life. Did you enjoy the Broad Street Bullies moniker and the, the nickname? Because I it's obviously memorable, but I also think it takes away from the credit you guys deserve for how good you were as if it was just, well, they just beat teams up into submission. And it was, the physicality was a part of it. But I feel like in some circles, it kind of, well, that was, they just were different and stuff like that. And it doesn't give an appreciation for how talented you guys were. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Matt. And uh, I think part of me uh, thinks that, you know, being physical was a big part of our, although I wasn't all that physical, but we had some guys that certainly were. That helped us along the way. But we won a lot of hockey games, Matt. I mean, we beat the Bruins. Listen, the Boston Bruins were every bit as tough or tougher than the Flyers were. We we went right against them. I mean, there was there was no shrinking violets in the league. You know, they, they would always respond. Teams wouldn't get you know, we we would end up winning, and that was an easy way for them to kind of discredit us, right? By saying, well, they won because they intimidated the other team. Well, that's a bunch of malarkey. These, all these teams have their pride too, and these players aren't where they are because of, of being uh, you know nervous about contact or physical play. So uh, we, we came by it by whatever way it necessary. That's kind of the way we, we looked at it. But we, whatever, but we didn't win because we were tough. Not. We won because we were a really good hockey team. Now, the toughness helped us. Okay, let's put it that way. Toughness helped us, no question. But we didn't win because of it. And I'll leave it at that. You talked about early on, you mentioned just like how the fans embrace you when you talked about that alumni game in 2011. Do you ever just take a step back and just think how incredible it is that I'm sure people are still coming up to you at Iceworks? Oh, hey, I remember you playing in so-and-so, and I was there when you did this. Like I said, the, the this group that you played on, it just has this, there's just a soft spot in the heart of Philadelphia that you guys just live in. Is it? Does it ever amaze you? Well, you know what it always does? Almost every day it amazes me. Honestly, Matt, it does. We've had a love affair with the Philadelphia city, the city of Philadelphia and the surrounding areas, tri-state area, really. They have all the great hockey fans down in Delaware and over in New Jersey. I mean, they're all Flyer fans. 
And, you know, that's why we, a lot of us have made our homes here. We started a business here because we came to love the area so much. I, I started my family here. My family all lived here because it was a love affair with the Flyers and the Philadelphia sports fans. And it's all result, a lot of it's a result of the appreciation that Philadelphia fans showed for the Flyers. They just loved us. I remember them coming up to us and saying, oh, we just love you guys. Well, number one, you're winners. We haven't had a winner for a while. And number two, we just love hockey. We love how hard you guys play. We love how aggressive you are. <laughs> We're like, well, yeah, we love it too. And we love you for supporting us. Because you know what? If you don't support us, maybe we're not going to be here, right? And so it was, you know, when teams came into the spectrum in those days, I mean, it was always sold out. And if you remember the old spectrum, the fans that do remember it, you know, it was much more intimate, I would say, than the Wells Fargo was today. I mean, it, it held about seventeen or 18,000, but it was maybe half the size of the Wells Fargo, right? So think about that. So everybody obviously has got to be closer together on top of each other. So it was uh, just a great place to be and be a part of. And when that, when we scored a goal or we win a game, man, that, that, that almost lift the roof right off the off the place, you know, with the excitement. And uh, so it was a, a two-way street. I mean, we kind of fed off the fans and their support, and yet they really fed off of us and uh, by the excitement we created. And they were so much into it, Matt. And look what Philadelphia has become now. It's become a hockey city. I mean, it wasn't that way when we came in and, and I came in 73. It wasn't that way. But look, at we built the rinks over here in Aston. We have four ice surfaces here. There's a number of new facilities in the tri-state area. And there's kids playing hockey all over the place, right? And men's and, and, men's and women's hockey. And I mentioned to you earlier, we have like 60 men's teams and another 10 women's teams here. And we have about 60 youth hockey teams that play out of here in the wintertime. Think about that, all these kids. There was none of that going on back then. Okay, So that's what hockey has brought to the Philadelphia area. And we were very, very fortunate and grateful to be a part of it. And in closing, people hear this. They want to get involved. They want to play. How do they get in contact with the good folks at Iceworks? And what do they have to do? Well, you know, you can just go to iceworks.net if you like, or call over your door. Number here at 610 610- 497-2200. That's 610-497-2200. That'll get you into our phone bank and you can you know, inquire. And yeah, we have men and women that are joining leagues, Maddie, when they haven't really played it. They're in their 50s and 60s and 70s, for goodness sake. They just see the game. They like it. And they want to give it a try. So we have all levels of play here also. Well, I encourage anybody, for goodness sake, give it a shot. And, you know, I love it. We get a lot of kids that come out of the city of Philadelphia to come out here. So I just think it's the greatest thing in the world. I just love it. You know, I just love having those kids come out of South Philly, West Philly, wherever they may be, downtown. And they tell me they're from that area. And I just go, wow, so great to have you here. You know, and, and I always thank them for all their great support. So it's, it's, it's spectacular, Matt. Jim Watson, this was a ton of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, Matt, my pleasure. Anytime, buddy. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank former Flyers defenseman Jim Watson for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.